From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. From Snakes and Lattes, Toronto's premier board game cafe, this is the Snakes Cast, a weekly podcast where the game gurus of Snakes and Lattes discuss what it is about games that make them worth playing. With your host, Jonathan Moriarty. Welcome to the Snakes Cast, everyone. Joining me this week are Kristen Travis. Hello. Our guru guest and our non-guru guest, the brilliant barista, Ansgar Shin. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about games based on licensed properties, games based on TV shows, movies, books, comics, whatever. Um, everybody's got uh, things and characters and stories that they know and love, and uh, the problem with those stories is eventually they end. The movie's over, there's no more episodes of the show, it's the last book. But we want more. We want to revisit them. And uh, fortunately, their owners also want to milk them for cash. Uh, so we tend to see some board games that are based on these things. Um, let's see, Kristen, have you got any licensed games that you're particularly fond of? Well, my favorite game of all time is the Battlestar Galactica game. Ah, yes. Um, I'm a big fan of the show, too, but um, the game is phenomenal. What, what, what makes it so good? Uh, you really feel like you're in the tension of the environment. You're trying to escape from these Cylons and you're trying to survive, um, but there's someone, you know that there, there are people around you that are trying to sabotage everything and you need, and, but it's the fear for survival that is keeping you going. And right, you can't, you can't tell which of your fellow players are Cylons and which ones are humans. Exactly, and it's so tense, just like the TV show. Neat. Uh, Anskar, have you uh, ever played any licensed games that you uh, had fun with? Um, I, the only one I enjoyed was the Star Trek Rattan uh, oh, yeah. game. Uh, I really enjoyed that one. I did not enjoy Francina. I Something about Francina that I just saw. Oh, seen it. That was, that, that's the, uh, the trivia game with the DVD, right? Yes. Where it shows you like a scene and then asks you a question? Yes. How, how come that one fell flat? Um, I think just involving the television kind of disrupted the whole the whole mood of the board game as well. Hmm. As well, I I just think it's a, it was a distraction having the TV around. Yeah, I guess it's it feels less like you're playing with the other players and more yeah, like, more like uh, watching the television show and then saying, oh, I know that I know that scene. It's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> Christian, have you played any uh, licensed games that didn't work so well? Um. Because of the fact that I tend to pick out games based on, I hear this is good, not, ooh, I like what this is about, um, I haven't actually played too many licensed games that haven't gone over very well. Hmm. Well, uh, I mean, obviously there's a ton of trivia games out there, and those are the ones usually when we see our customers uh, yeah. playing licensed games. They're, they tend to be trivia games, like, you know, Friends or... Uh, Law and Order or Sex in the City. Um, I, I, that that kind of puzzles me in some ways, though, because you don't actually get to be the characters in those. You don't get to meet the people who you like from those shows or those yeah. stories. You don't really get to participate or travel around in the world that you love so much. Uh, but for some people, this can actually be a plus, though. I mean, a lot of people don't actually want to be those characters. Why Why would that be? Is this, is this uh, I, I, I sort of partly don't get it. I mean, is this just anti-nerd chauvinism? You know, do they... Uh, not want to be seen playing Let's Pretend? What's what's that about? For the trivia game? Yeah, or for, for, for any sort of game. It's, why would you not want to actually get to be those characters, do you think? Maybe they have more fun just reminiscing about what actually happens instead mm. of actually putting themselves in the place of the story. So it's more about the story and less about the players. Yeah. That's, uh... But I also think maybe like the players don't want to become too emotionally invested in the game, so when they mm. lose... 
it's like the the, the loss of the, the defeat, the sense of defeat is much greater. I suppose, yeah. Involved. In you know, having uh, having your favorite character's head cut off, I suppose, is worse when it's you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we'll go into the whole role playing and storytelling thing in a later episode. Okay, so supposing you're a license holder, you want to make some bank from a game. Obviously, the easiest way to do that is with a trivia game, right? You don't even need to make a game. Yeah. Just slap some questions on some cards, throw it in a box, put a board that nobody's going to care about in there, some dice and pieces that don't really do anything but keep score, and you're good. But uh, supposing you don't want to do a trivia game, um, there was one other way that was actually really popular back in the 90s. You guys ever heard of a game called Magic the Gathering? Oh, yeah. Yes. It's, uh, there was also Pokemon, which was kind of a big deal. Oh, Pokemon oh, yeah. was huge. It was massive. It Love was it. basically a license to print money, right? You'd go and you'd buy these random cards and these foil packs, and you never knew what was going to be in them. And then you, you take some but not all of your cards to build a deck, and you, 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 you pit that deck against your friends. So it had a lot of flexibility, it was, and it was, there was the collecting part, too which was huge. You guys collect those things? Oh yeah. I, had I to, didn't, I had a but it was everywhere. <laughs> I Charizard, I'm still looking for you, Charizard. <laughs> still looking for you. So of course, uh, those things were so profitable that uh, there, there were a lot of other licenses that tried to cash in. I mean, there's the obvious stuff, like there was a Star Wars one, there was a Star Trek one, Lord of the Rings. Uh, there was even more mainstream, not quite so nerdy stuff like Marvel and DC and Harry Potter and Power Rangers. There was a Power Rangers LCG, or CCG rather. Huh. Um, and then there's more obscure stuff like Aliens vs. Predator, Babylon 5, Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Oh, I wanted the Doctor Who one. Well, it's, okay, <laughs> obviously it's not that obscure now, but this was 1996. Oh, yeah. Okay, the last guy who had played the Doctor was uh, Paul McGann, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and then there's weird stuff, like they did an Austin Powers one. They okay, did Bratz, they had a Sailor Moon collectible card game, uh, there was a WWF, I mean, check out the, the, the Wikipedia page for the list of collectible card games, and it's crazy just, uh, just how much was in there. Uh, most of them kind of failed though, for, uh, for a lot of the same reasons that a lot of other licensed games tend to fail. Uh, there are problems, like, you guys ever played a video game that was based on a movie or something? Yes. I played the Simpsons game, the Simpsons video <laughs> game that came after the movie. That was the coin operated one though, right? Like it for the arcades? I don't even remember. It was just so bad. <laughs> oh, there was one Batman Forever when that came out. They released the Batman Forever video game. I think I remember that one. Uh, it was by far one of the worst games I've played. <laughs> it's, uh, there was also that legendary Superman 64 game oh that was just incredibly bad. But uh, why, why do so many of these video games based on licensed properties tend to fail? I mean, what's, what's going on there? I think, money. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with these people just want money and a lot of customers are fine just, oh, I like that this is based on that and have no real drive for something that's actually really a good product. Yeah, they're not even going to check into it. It's got the Batman or the Superman logo on there, so that's, that's basically it. And with board games, the same problem tends to come up pretty often. Uh, just a quick cash in, they gotta get it out in time for Christmas, they're not gonna worry about quality control. Sometimes, like, they're not even gonna bother to design much of a game at all, just crib a design from something else. Uh, sometimes the licensor can be too controlling as well. Uh, like, you know, this character's gotta be in it and that character can't be in it. Um, and one of the things that I tend to find, especially in the more nerdy type of games that, that I tend to like, is they tend to try to do a simulation, an exact simulation of the events of the story instead of trying to evoke the feel of it. Like, uh, did, did you guys ever hear of a TV show called Babylon 5? Oh yeah. oh yeah, I've watched that. They did a CCG of that, and it was very simulationist. You actually had these uh, diplomatic sort of maneuvers and stuff, and people flying ships around, and it had a lot of detail and so on, but it didn't really feel like an episode of the show. 
And that was the problem. So it simulated these things, but it didn't evoke the feel of it. Um, and that, I think, in some ways is, is, why the, is why some of the ones that work really well do. Like, and, and, and sometimes you just hit the wrong target audience. Like, how many times have you guys seen Game of Thrones fans? Oh, oh everyone loves Game of Thrones. That's so big right now. And they come in asking to play the Game of Thrones board game, which is ridiculously complicated, <laughs> even for me. Huh. And, and it, I, I have to burst their bubble and be like, guys, this is not the experience that you want. It's, it's funny, too, because both the Game of Thrones board game and card game were designed and published back when Game of Thrones was nothing but a glint in HBO's eyes. They were books back then. And at that point, you know, if, if, you, if you read these huge, epic, sprawling books, chances are you wanted something complicated. But now, with the TV series, suddenly these complicated, deep, challenging, nerdy games are no longer all that good a fit for the target audience. And uh, that, that's something that does happen sometimes. I mean, I love the Star Wars card game to death. But uh, it takes a while to learn. Once, once you get over that curve, it feels really Star Wars. It's fast, it's swingy, it's wild, it's heroic. Um, but you have to get over that learning curve, and that can be an issue, especially for something like Star Wars that is just so kind of elementally accessible for everybody. Okay, so when a licensed game gets it right, when it actually provides an experience that really is going to entertain fans of, uh, of, of that license, of that whatever it is, uh, what what what, are they, what happens? Uh, obviously, trivia games. Trivia games work very well. Mm -hmm. Especially if uh, if all you want to do is like you were saying, Kristen, just, is just reminisce about the experience of seeing that, or be like, oh gosh, remember? I remember that that point in the show or the movie or whatever, and just totally. And um, and I think that, uh, but if you're gonna go with a game game, something where it's not just about remembering trivia that stuff, but actually where you make choices that you know affect the outcome. Um, one of the things, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, usually the ones that are based on books tend to be better than the ones that are based on TV or movies. Uh, Do you ever see that? I, I actually think that you're right about that. Yeah, I, think, I would agree with you too. I think a lot of it probably has to do with that, the fact that, it, that it's a lot less profitable, uh, so they're more playing towards... Right, the audience for books is going to yeah. be smaller, so... So they're, they're more playing towards this specific genre instead of just anybody that's seen the movie being like, oh, maybe I'll just buy that because I've seen that movie. Right. They, yeah. they, they don't have to actually have the, the quality level at such a high point. If you leave it as a book, I think it leaves the player to be more imaginative as opposed to watching a movie where it's just one perspective and then you kind of try to emulate it. Movie, yeah, so I guess so. I mean, readers by nature, I guess, they're gonna be probably more into this stuff than, yeah. uh, than moviegoers, I suppose. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but uh, what if it's both a book and a movie, like Lord of the Rings? Right? There's yeah. some really good yeah. and really bad Lord of the Rings games. There really are. And you know, one thing I've noticed about that too? Usually, the way you can tell the good ones from the bad ones is do they have photos, still shots from the film on the box, like uh, like Lord of the Rings Risk, for instance, huh. right? Or, uh, or, the, or those other Lord of the Rings, they, they had uh, Fellowship, Two Towers, and Return of the King games, and they had photos, and uh, I don't think I've ever seen a customer get to the end of one of those games. They get partway through. It's and terrible, it's just terrible. <laughs> the disappointment I've, just... I've never thought about that, but that is so true. It's But when you've got paintings on the cover, like uh, something like Lord of the Rings The Confrontation or War of the Ring. You know, those are masterpieces. They're just amazing games. Um, I, I had high hopes, actually. I, well, I allowed myself briefly to have high hopes for one of the Hunger Games 
uh, games, and uh, it's it, it got mixed reviews, but uh, I haven't had the chance to play it myself yet. You guys into Hogwarts games, or did you get? I loved books. The Assault on District Nine They're game was so the one good. that uh, it's, it's like a, a Euro style worker placement game, oh. where you go to all these places in the district. I've I've heard good and bad about that one. I've, I haven't had the chance to try it out yet. Okay, so uh, what are some properties, some licensed properties that you guys would like to see games done about? Well, I'm a fan of superheroes. I love superheroes. And, and I love DC Batman. And, and Marvel and all that jazz. Well, it's, 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 uh, there's actually a couple of uh, ones that are out. Uh, there's the Marvel Legendary. I love that game. That's a good game. What's, uh, what, what, what do you like about it? Well, what is, what is it? It is, is you are playing um, as different superheroes and you're trying to recruit these big superheroes like Thor and Iron Man and Spider-Man into your uh, into your deck, so it's yeah. a card game. It's a deck building game, like uh, like a Dominion type. Exactly, of thing. Uh, trying to take out these bad guys. My favorite happening to be Loki. I love trying to of kick course. Loki's oh, butt. Come on, um, <laughs> but everyone's working together. But you want to be the most accomplished superhero at the end. So you're working together to try and defeat this bad guy. Mm -hmm. But whoever did the most badass wins. You know, I really liked the DC deck builder. Uh, very different approach. Marvel Legendary is very much a gamer's game. It's it's not that complicated, but it's got plenty of sort of depth to it. The DC game, by contrast, is really, really simple. Kind of got the sense that they were going for a younger audience uh, with that one. So, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's faster to get into, it's faster to set up and tear down. You don't have to separate the decks out. It's one big deck of uh, heroes and villains and stuff. But uh, the other thing that I like about the DC game is you get to be a specific hero. It's I get to be Batman. You know, you get to be you know, Aquaman, whatever. And uh, whereas in Marvel Legendary, it's like you're the guys in the Shield headquarters with the headsets saying, "Thor, look out behind you!" And um, but even though it's kind of a better game in some ways, feels less immersive. Although you know, Superman is totally going to get like a magic lasso, and Wonder Woman's totally going to use a power ring and stuff. But that yeah, that kind of weird stuff happens in the comics anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, no one actually wants to be Aquaman. <laughs> That's like the least. I suppose. <laughs> But uh, I, I guess in a way that sort of get cuts to the heart of what it is that I like about the good licensed games, where you get to see all kinds of crazy what-ifs that could have happened in whatever your favorite stories and stuff are. So uh, next time you come to Snakes and Lattes, I hope uh, we'll be able to entertain you with some, uh, with some additional further adventures of your favorite people, or if you're not into that, get a chance to re-listen your favorite moments from those stories. Uh, until then, I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Anskar Shin and Kristen Travis. Game on. Bye. Game on. And thanks for listening. We'll have a new Snakes cast for you every week at snakesandlattes.com. In the meantime, you can follow us through your favorite social networking sites, such as Facebook and Twitter, or best of all, meet our gurus in person at Snakes and Lattes in Toronto. Until then, this is P.T. Douglas. Game on.